the Lupus Living Podcast. Today's episode, From Flair to Fabulous with Margaret Romero. Welcome to today's episode of the Lupus Living Podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host. And today we have a special guest with us. We have Margaret A. Romero, and she is a Columbia-trained board-certified nurse practitioner. She utilizes functional medicine to treat chronic illness, hormone imbalances, and women's sexual health issues. She has been a clinical instructor and taught functional integrative medicine at Columbia University. She is the host of the Sacred Medicine Podcast and author of From Flare to Fabulous, 25 Things You Must Do to Avoid Your Next Lupus Flare. And so, Margaret, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Uh, one of the things when you reached out to me, I was very intrigued by the, your approach to taking care of lupus. I, you know, I'm one of those where I, I, I believe you should also not just take medication to say, hey, I want to you know, uh, get these flares going, but also what's the reason for them? So it seems like you're a doctor or a nurse practitioner that just doesn't focus on one aspect of that journey with lupus. But one thing I'd like you to do is maybe start by telling the least listeners, what was your journey to being diagnosed with lupus? What led up to eventually, you know, your, your, the big you have lupus story? Let's see. Well, it started back in 2006. I was on a camping trip in the middle of uh, the Grand Canyon in Havasupai. And um, I was walking, actually climbing partially some of these rocks. They were these beautiful um, to get down into the waterfalls area. And the next day, I started to feel some um, wrist pain, especially right by the joints in my wrist. And I thought, oh my gosh, did I, did I hurt it? Did I, maybe I heard it on something that I was going down to the waterfall the other day, or I mean, yesterday. And then it was the other wrist and it would sort of come and go and nothing made it better. It was just, it was really, really painful. And then we'd get red and swollen And then the knees started and the knees were like really red and swollen. And just as quickly as that came on my feet and it was like all of this like muscle aches. And I had, I went and I ordered my blood work and it came back positive with all I knew was an autoimmune issue. And I, I got the tests and that's what it, it showed. Now I had right before all of this had started, maybe nine months before I had been suffering from like severe constipation, severe. This is before any of the joint pain started. And, um, it was so, so bad that I had to like physically get colonics in order to move. And every week I was there because it would be days, days would go by before I had about movement. So I, I would, have to go every week to go see a colon um, therapist. And then I'd say several months later, 
the joint pain started. And from there, it was just like this horrific journey of me waking up one morning. Um, I was living with my boyfriend at the time, and I was starting my period. But it was probably one of the worst periods of my life. I had like gone through the tampon and the pad straight and I woke up from bed and like blood was just like streaming down my legs and um my urine was also bloody red and I said you have to take me to the hospital this is this is crazy it, it was just like the everything was so fast it went from joint pain and I knew it was happening and then before I could like react and and think of what the next step was I was bleeding and so I was rushed to the hospital he brought me there and um eventually I was mediflighted to another hospital to be admitted and I ended up in Arizona I was living in New Mexico at the time and that's when they just found out even more things like they just did more tests and cat scans and all of this, my heart was enlarged. I had my liver functions were through the roof. My ANA titers were like over 1200. I had pleurisy in my lung. I had an enlarged heart. My liver was being affected. I had severe anemia. And when they finally did the, um, I had to go to a third hospital. So they did the kidney biopsy. And I was so anemic that that, First of all, they ruptured my psoas muscle. And so I couldn't even move after that because it was excruciating pain. And that biopsy created a huge hematoma in my kidney. And I required some blood transfusions, a couple of blood transfusions, because um, I was just bleeding in the site of the kidney biopsy. And when they punctured the psoas, um, it you know, the psoas muscle sort of, it, it, it is what helps you sort of get up out of bed, get up off a chair. I mean, not only were my muscles and joints like screaming in pain, like, you know, they were giving me, they started giving me tons of steroids and all of the, like hundreds and hundreds of milligrams of um, steroid injection and sorry, IV initially was their IV. And I just remembered how much pain I was in. I mean, aside from the joint and muscle, now I had this psoas issue. And so it was hard for me to even get out of bed. So immediately after I left the hospital, I, I really like required 24 hour care because of the, because of the, so the psoas thing. And I was so weak and so anemic. And, um, finally you know, I was seeing the rheumatologists and like all these specialists and they were like, you know, your kidneys are, you know, in, in like five years, you're going to eventually need uh, most likely a transplant. Like they just, it was like all this bad news. You can't be in the sun. And I, I was like, oh my God, what? Like this just went from like something that was initially just like a single joint in my wrist to like complete multi-organ involvement so fast that I was, and meanwhile, I was working in the ER at the time and um, things, I, like I couldn't even, like 
right before the whole bleeding thing happened, I had gone to work like, okay, let me just, um, you know, take some Tylenol. Let me just see if I can get through the day. And things just went from bad to worse very fast. So that was the horrific whole thing, hair falling out, uh, waking up with hair all over my pillow. Um, I did have the, um, the butterfly rash on my face. I had all somewhat of the typical things that were going on. And then um, from there, I, I was right after I required the 24-hour care. And, um, and I, was, I had such foggy, foggy brain. Like I couldn't piece things together. I was just like so foggy. And I started to notice that there were certain foods that made my joints worse. After I ate, my knees would flare. My cheeks would get so red and so hot. And I'm like, what is, what's going on? And so I went to the rheumatologist and I said, listen, I think maybe I have celiac or something because every time I eat certain things that have flour in it, I feel worse. I think I, I want to get the genetic test. I want to get some tests to see if I, if I have it. And she was like, listen, save your money. Just take the medications. You don't need to get that test. And just stay on the meds. And that pissed me off so much. And I ended up ordering the test for myself. I did the test. comes back that I had um, two non-celiac gluten sensitive genes. And so I didn't have celiac per se, but I still had two genes that made me sensitive to gluten. So I immediately pulled all gluten out of like, I was staying with my brother at the time. Like I, I was like, nope, I'm not eating any of that stuff. Like anything that has flour, they were like breading things like, you know, like to make chicken cutlets yeah. or, you know, they would spread things. So a regular pasta. And I was like, oh no, we can't. And so I mustered up enough energy to like go to Whole Foods and buy some things. And I had, I was still like in so much pain when I was home, even despite the fact that I was taking like 20 pills per day, Celsept and Pednazone and Plequinil and all this stuff. And I finally, literally within like seven to 10 days of being gluten-free, I was like, oh my God, like my knees they don't flare up or get red anymore. And I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this. And eventually when I, I was, I was, I was starting to get better. I ended up getting a full panel of blood work for myself, things that they hadn't done in the hospital, nutrients, hormones. Um, I did a stool test and they uncovered so many things that they had no idea was even going on in my body. And I just started to heal those things. I started to manage them on my own. And eventually, I sort of, after like, how many months was I following up with them? I don't, several months I was following up with them, but I didn't want to live in, in, the, in the town and in the state that this hospital was at. My parents were like, maybe you should live here um, in Massachusetts. Maybe you should live here. And um, so you can be close to the hospital. And I was like, oh, no. That wasn't your you life goal. To no. <laughs> Plus, I didn't particularly like that town. And I'm like, no, I'm not moving somewhere to be close to the hospital. Like, that's not my, my intention is to like get better. So then I don't ever have to be hospitalized again. And I did. And I found 
the triggers for one of my triggers was um, gluten. And, um, and it is the reason why one of the reasons why I had severe constipation. Oh, okay. And I also did stool tests on myself, not the regular ones that you would just go to a regular lab. Um, I did like a, like a functional medicine type of stool test. It revealed all of these things that were going on in, with, with my gut, my gut health. And I was, I reversed all of that. I was able to manage, you know, getting rid of whatever bacteria and excess, all of these things that were happening, I was able to reverse them. And so eventually joint pain went away, hair started going back. And it's been at least a good over a, over a decade that I haven't had a re, you know, any repeat flares or um, any other sort of issues with lupus, joint and muscle pain. I haven't felt that in over a decade. Um, I still period periodically do stool testing to make sure things are still good. And I, I am always um, now not as frequently, but I'm still doing at least twice, once or twice a year where I'm checking all of my, um, vitamins levels for nutritional deficiencies, see where I'm at with my numbers and whatnot. So I keep a really close tab on myself. I think those of with us that have lupus, we start, we have to start doing that. Cause I was going to ask you how long ago a lot of that happened. So about 10 years or a little over is when you started or you had your diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, 14 years. Okay. Cause that's mm -hmm. one thing I noticed is uh, you, you have to be, conscious of what your body's going through because I think what happens is a lot of times we don't catch it until it's like oh wow I should have noticed this three months ago when I noticed I was getting really tired or you know I noticed that my body wasn't feeling exactly right the muscles or things like that one of the things you mentioned was about the testing that you had done now yeah you know like you said some of it is extra what maybe uh, the traditional medicine might not order if somebody wanted to order, like if, let's say if I wanted, went to my doctor, say, I want you to do a stool sample, but I don't want, don't want just what you have. I, I need to know what else is going on. How do you ask them about there? Is that something they do? No, it's not. You can go to the top gastroenterologists of the world and, and they most likely will not know about these tests because they're conventional medicine. And that's very different than what I practice, which is functional me medicine. And what functional medicine is, is that we are looking for the root cause behind chronic illnesses, particularly autoimmune conditions, but it could be for anything. It could be for thyroid problems. We look at why is this happening? Conventional medicine doesn't ask that question. Why? It just says, oh, we have all of these band-aids and we can give you these things and it'll help control. And we're just going to, you know, decrease your immune system and, um, then the pain will go away because your body is attacking itself. And so we just have to like suppress everything and then you'll be better. But I don't see anyone really necessarily getting that much better where they're feeling 100% back to normal, no issues or recurrent pain, joint pain. I'm sure that there are definitely women out there that have gotten better from, you know, tr for with traditional methods. But for the majority of like the social media of what I read that's happening still on a daily basis, despite all of the cutting edge, everything that's out there. I mean, really prednisone 
I mean, and now they've come out with these biologics, which are not, I mean, your body's not lacking in a biologic. Like it's not lacking in Celsept. There's a reason why your body is reacting this way. And I found my triggers. And in my book that I wrote, I listed all of the triggers and why lupus gets triggered in some people. And no, I'd say in everybody, there's a reason. And one of the biggest reasons is having digestive issues, gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation. It is very, very common. Even having like um, reflux issue because you could have H. pylori and you don't know about it. Um, so the type of stool tests is from, you would have to see a functional medicine or like naturopathic um, doctor because conventional medicine, they don't, they just don't, they just don't know about these. They, they haven't learned how to interpret it. Functional medicine providers, we go, we have, you know, um, memberships to a functional medicine. We go to conferences. We're, we're like members of this huge, gigantic, gigantic community of functional medicine providers that are all over the world. And naturopathic um, providers also can, for the majority of them, will also practice functional medicine, if not all of them do. Well, I think it's- your regular won't have this kit. It's a kit that, it's a kit that the person, the patient brings home and does it and then mails it to like FedEx. It's not something that you go and you poop and then you bring it to your doctor's office and he just sends it to like Quest Lab. Yeah. That's not, it's, that's not the best test by far. Well, there was something you mentioned about how people that do get better, it's not necessarily from the medicines you're taking because you're not lacking those. I really think it's a balance because even though my doctors didn't talk about it, I realized that, okay, I need to make some other changes in my life because one of the things I would do is when I'm busy, I would just push through the fatigue. I can't do that anymore. And, that, and I noticed when I stopped doing that, then my body started responding better. I, I made myself get a certain amount of sleep because um, I was already actually eating pretty well because I had lost up some weight. And so I'd already had a food journal and kind of went through that. But, uh, but like you said, I started noticing I can't eat carbs like I used to. I cut out the pasta totally, don't eat it anymore. I'm lactose intolerant, so of course I don't drink milk and cheeses and things like that. But it's just like you said, you, you find what your triggers are. And it is hard to give that stuff up. Some, some of my friends... When, when they're like, Gwen, I don't know how you cannot eat certain things. It's like it, it, when you're in that kind of pain, you, you can give up stuff pretty quickly because you don't want to experience that again or, or to right. that degree. And so I've been pretty lucky with my doctors. I mean, like I said, my primary care physician, I, he's into health and wellness too. So we, we talk about the food and things like that. And also he, one thing that's nice is he will check my vitamins because he, he'll say, why are you low in certain things? And so he's like, we need to figure out why, you know, this is high and this is low now. And then when he tells me what I'm low in, it's like, well, I've been having symptoms that go along with whatever I'm deficient in at that time. And I don't know why it does it. Because, you know, like I said, we try to, he tries to help me figure it out. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm doing different. But, um, but I think it's a good idea to do that. Because once he, he helps me with getting things in line, like you said, I almost, all of a sudden I remember, I realized one day, after I was diagnosed that this is the best I've felt in years. I don't remember the last time I felt that good. 
And I, I don't know if a lot of my listeners, some of them that write to me are still in that they're trying to figure out what's triggering them or they're just at the beginning of getting diagnosed. So they're not at that point yet, but it sounds like that you yeah. figured it out to get you to that point. And um, the knowledge that you had helps also. And I think in both areas with the conventional medicine and also the functional medicine that you've had. Something else I wanted to talk to you about was where we talk about the food, but the nutritional and vitamin deficiencies that people with lupus might have. I mean, are there certain deficiencies? I know like a lot of us are anemic. I'm, I'm one of those. You know, are there other things that you found that most of us were probably deficient in that affect us? Oh, yeah. There's so many deficiencies, including like B12, yeah. magnesium, zinc. Um, the thing is, is that individuals who are suffering from a chronic illness, they're very deficient. And I wanted to answer one of the questions that you just mentioned about, you know, when your doctor checks it. And then you notice like there's some deficiencies. So like, let's say B12 is very low. First of all, the reference range starts at like 230. Um, and if you're 300, you know, sometimes some doctors are like, oh, you're fine. You're B12. It's within normal. But that's not normal. That's very deficient. Anything less than 500 is very deficient. Optimal, and they should have optimal ranges actually. Optimal would be closer to a thousand. So when I see a lot of, let's say, iron deficiency, B12, vitamin D deficiencies, and very lo and low cholesterol, sometimes that, especially the vitamins, that in itself tells me that they've got some gut go issues going on. That they're not absorbing the nutrients if they're. Um, a non-vegetarian and non-vegan, so they eat meat and chicken and eggs, let's just say, they should not be B12 deficient because there's B12 in animal protein. So when they are deficient, my thought is, okay, yes, let's give you some supplements, but not only that, your, your body's not absorbing the nutrients from your food. And so I would immediately do a stool test because there's something going on. And you're not absorbing. And I could give you a million supplements and you may absorb some and not the rest because your, your gut is what we call um, permeability. There's permeability issues happening. Things are not being retained in the body. It's sort of just flowing out because there's um, some type of permeability and it could be from parasite or candida, which is yeast all types of different, you know, there's worms and all kinds of different things that can show up in, in stool testing. So all that to say is your gut health is very important. I've, I've been reading about that too a lot. Something else that we could talk about is uh, self-care and lupus. That's actually this week I have scheduled to get a massage. I am very excited. But that was one of the, yeah, but that was one of the things when I was diagnosed because my muscles are affected a lot, like you talk about. I mean, there's some times where they would hurt. I don't experience it now, but they would get so tight. I don't even know how to explain it. And I could barely get out of bed because my back muscles would be so tight or my stomach muscles. And it wasn't from exercising because I couldn't do it at that time. So I started um, doing therapeutic massage to try and help me with that. So once a month, I'll go and do something like that. Or, you know, even the stress, my body tells me that, you know what, guess what, you can't 
be stressed anymore type thing, because then that's when I right. notice things start breaking down. And so uh, what what do you usually uh, recommend to your patients uh, or clients for self-care? Do you help them with trying to identify how to, you know, like, say, have less stress in their life or recommend certain things like a massage to help them dealing with some of their symptoms? Yeah. So for me, self-care is, is just, it is a must in every woman's life, especially women who have an autoimmune condition. So stress will put more of a burden on the body, including it'll, it'll constantly feel like it's in fight or flight. So cortisol levels will be high um, or, and, or eventually it'll just drop. And so we've seen a lot of adrenal issues happening as well. And when you've been on so much prednisone, then it's, it's actually affecting your adrenal glands, which is what secretes cortisol. So it can, prednisone in itself sort of depletes your own natural um, storage of cortisol. So self-care is whatever you can do to help de-stress yourself at the end of the day, whether that's um, getting some really nice bath salts and, you know, making time to get a, um, a nice bath, a hot bath, maybe buying some essential oils and putting them in there too. And just kind of like just de-stressing. Maybe it means having like five minutes in the morning to like just sit and be quiet and just like meditate or do some deep breathing. Maybe it's walking outside in a really nice park or being in nature and just kind of being quiet, not necessarily listening to music, but just being outside and connecting with nature. There's so many things you can do. I mean, even something like I personally, I feel like self-care is also going to bed early. It's um, because that actually helps when you sleep at night, your adrenals, that's when they sort of help to restore themselves. If you're not sleeping, you've got vitamin deficiencies, you're not really eating optimally, your body can't, it just can't heal on many levels. I know one thing that was strange is I also developed a ventiligo. About a month after I was diagnosed with lupus, I started losing some of my skin pigmentation. And it was just the weirdest thing. So I, you know, I was keeping track of it to make to see how big it would get. And I told my doctor, look at this. And I noticed actually this year, I started getting my skin pigmentation back. I was like, and no. I, I know, and I, I asked my doctor, is that's not normal, is it? Because, you know, I, I know people that have an oligo, and once their pigmentation gone, it usually doesn't come back. But but then I noticed, like, I, like when we were talking about self-care, it, I think it's a culmination of everything I've done to where my body's probably like, wow, okay, now I can calm down, you know, because I have to be purposeful with trying to get the right sleep and so I'm not saying that I found the cure-all, but I, I, to me, I feel like it's my body finally getting into some form of balance. Like I said, you know, healing right. itself. Yes, yes, yes. So that's Definitely. why I'm a big advocate. Even if you don't have lupus, you should take care of yourself because, you know, you don't want to get to the point like what we were at or most of us. You know, earlier you mentioned about a biologic. And I, I, we, we were kind of talking about this before we, start, we started recording. And I've heard about some of them. I didn't know that's what it was called, like Belista, if I'm saying it correctly, um, uh -huh. things like that. Can you talk to our listeners about some of those uh, medications and exactly why would your doctor prescribe that for you and what, it, what they're supposed to do? 
So, I mean, I don't know how many years ago these all came out, these biologics. Um, there's that one, and there's also another one called Rituxan. And what a basic, and, and those are like to treat rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, mostly for autoimmune. And what it does is it also works in a way to decrease your immunity, sort of, it just suppresses it. And the thought and the idea behind it was to suppress it enough where, you know, your symptoms are alleviated and that you're feeling better because your body's um, not attacking itself is what they say. And um, what I do find is that um, from reading from women who have had it is that it doesn't work. It either isn't working for them or they've had an allergic reaction to them. So there's a part of me that just, you know, when I, I did, I, my podcast came out last week all about this. And um, I also, it's in the midst of a little mini um, lupus series that I have going on. And so we're on week two right now. And I just don't, I don't feel that a biologic, again, it's, were, were there band-aids? I just feel like they're band-aids, just like regular conventional medicine's approach to lupus or any autoimmune condition. And for me, it's more about finding out what the trigger is. And that's not conventional medicine's approach. They're not trying to find anything because they keep saying, there's no cure for lupus. Nobody knows how or why or what. So we're just going to, you know, oh, your immune system is just on high revs. We're just going to, you know, shut it down and that should help. But that's not, that's for me, not an approach that I ever will take. Um, and my focus is 100% finding out the triggers because it could be different for everybody. Um, it could be lead toxicity or excess mercury from fillings in your teeth. It could be um, a parasite. It could be candida in your gut. It could be so many different things. And there's just so many toxins out there that attacks our body. And we don't even know that they exist because the tests have never been done. Are biologics something where they're, they're, are they not meant to be a long-term? Is it supposed to be a short-term type or solution or like to get you under control? Or what's the I, theory on that? Know, yeah, so... That's a good question, but I know that obviously if someone has an allergic reaction, they're not going to yeah. go, they're not going to do it again. If it's not working, they're not doing it again. I think it's something that it's kind of like a maintenance that they will have, will, they'll give you the, um, the either injection or infusion and like, especially with the methotrexate, it, it comes in injectable form as well. They'll try it. It's like, they're just trying to see if it'll work and if it does, then they'll have you come back again and again and again to sort of get them and see kind of where you are. How long okay. can we go without having to give you another one? Okay. Well, thank you. I, I love the way you explain that because one of the things that I ask my listeners to do is educate yourself, you know, get knowledgeable about whatever medications your doctors are giving you or because I, I, I've told the story how there was one medication my doctor wanted to put me on. And it was right when I was close to being diagnosed. So I was in flare mode almost all the time, you know, trying to figure out what is yeah. going on. And um, when I started reading the side effects, I was like, whoa, I don't know if I want to be on this yet. 
because I knew I was trying to figure out, okay, what am I doing in my life to, to, to make this happen? What do I need to change? So I asked him, I said, do you mind if I just kind of hold off on that for right now? And yeah. so I was fortunate. Yeah. He said, okay, you know, yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, it, it, I, one of the things that, uh, like I said, I've been fortunate as, and I told my listeners is my doctors don't say, well, if you don't listen to me, you need, you need to go find somebody else. They're, they seem to trust me, That's which good. is great. And I know not everybody has that. So I, I'm, like I said, I, I'm very fortunate in that area. And something else that uh, I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. was how important is it to limit your, or to try and limit or eliminate processed food or fast food from your uh, diet? Because like I said, I've, I've, I lost some weight before I was diagnosed with lupus and I was already, already kind of in that mode of figuring out how food affected me. Not just I was right. using it as a drug to you know, numb myself, but I noticed certain foods didn't agree with me. But with an autoimmune disease, it seems like it's almost that you can't have those things. I mean, like you said, you figured out even if you probably had a piece of bread right now, you'd probably your body would probably explode. You know, that balance of how do you go about, you know, even though we live in a world where that's so prevalent to get that kind of food, you know, when you were living with lupus, how important is it, though, to say, you know, I, I just can't just can't do that, can't eat that. You know, I treat processed food and fast foods the same way I treat gluten. I don't go near it. And I cook um, the majority. Actually, I should say 100% of my food that I eat on a daily basis, I cook. So I know what's going in it. Occasionally, if I go out to dinner with with my friends, we go to a place where I know that there's a gluten-free menu. Um, You can always, when you're out, in a restaurant control sort of how they make certain things or what kind of oil they're using, of course. And so I'm not, um, you know, I'm not that person that's like, well, what kind of oil did you put in? But I am that person when it comes to gluten because um, that I don't want in my body. You know, I mean, why react to that? You know what? I do not react in a horrible way anymore to gluten. But I continue to stay off it because I still genetically, my body has a sensitivity to it. And um, I don't have a horrible reaction, but I may get like a little bit of an upset stomach, nothing terrible. But I just, it just isn't something that I, you know, will have like a full pasta meal or anything. Like that is no way. If someone wants me, Occasionally, if I if someone's made made something and I just want like a tiny nibble of it, I'll maybe do it. But majority of the time, if not like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I stay away from processed foods. Anything that comes in boxes or anything fast food, I especially fast food, especially because you don't really know what's in it. It's oh, it's not been made fresh. I mean, they're just mostly frozen things that you, that are warmed up, um, on, on the grill, like Mickey D's or something like that. So I think, and the oil, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that the oil that the, um, French fries are soaked in, you know, things like that. Yeah. I think a lot of what happens is cause you know, you were talking about your gluten. I don't eat I try to eat dairy things, but I notice even if I eat a little bit, I'm kind of okay. Like you said, I think because I don't eat it all the time, 
but I've noticed when I've overdone it, I'm like, oh no, here we go. And, uh, so I know I'm still, it's still not something that I, my body wants to tolerate. So I've, I've learned just, just leave it alone because it's not worth the way that I feel. And I think, yeah. And I think those of us with lupus get to that point. I had a friend tell me one time when I, after, you know, I was diagnosed, I was like, great. Now I know what's going on. Okay. Let's figure out how to, to live with this. And she said, Gwen, I cannot believe how quick you accepted it. I'm like, what am, what am I going to do? You know, what, try to pretend like I don't have this. And right. yes. it's, so it, let's start making some changes now. That that was my That's philosophy. Exactly, exactly my philosophy as well. When, when the minute those blood results came back, sorry, the DNA test came back, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I've been eating gluten. And that's that's probably one of the biggest reasons. And so I pulled it off of my, like everything. I just, I'm like, I am not eating gluten anymore. And so my family knows, I mean, I've been gluten-free for for uh, 13 years because th- I started feeling symptoms in 06, but I wasn't hospitalized until 07. So 13 years, I've been gluten-free. Everybody knows, my whole family, they know what I can eat and can't eat. So, um, it, and also dairy. I was off dairy for a really long time. And now occasionally I'll, I will never drink milk, but if something has, um, and I've actually switched to like vegan cheese, if I want something melt, like melted mm-hmm. in like a sandwich or something. Um, but I will drink almond milk. I'll have vegan cheese and occasionally something that's, that contains dairy would be like maybe a little Parmesan cheese on my pasta or something, gluten-free pasta. Um, and I don't react to that anymore. Yeah, I actually just bought an ice cream maker so I could make my own ice cream because, you know, even the lactose-free ice cream in the store would would still kind of aggravate my stomach. I thought, okay, I'm done with this. We're just, I'm just going to start making my own. So I'm almost to the point now where I make all my own food. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I could see how it's difficult for someone that maybe doesn't cook and they're always relying on takeout and all of that. Um, I can see that how that could be difficult, but it doesn't have to really be that hard. I mean, pick a lean protein, pick a couple of veggies, do a little stir fry or um, even bake um, veggies in the oven. I mean, season it, put it in the oven, bake it, have it with a piece of chicken and a side salad. Like it could be, it really could be that easy. It doesn't have to be this huge production. Well, I think today we have more uh, easier access to healthier foods because years ago when I figured out I couldn't have dairy there was nothing I mean no lactose free cheese you could get soy milk but it was really grainy I mean it wasn't pleasant let's put it that way and right. uh, even having access to uh, fresher vegetables even uh, it's just now it's easier to get than it used to be I think uh, one thing you talked about was your family and uh, I wanted to ask you, so did you have anybody in your family or your circle of friends that were like, oh, you're just faking it or you just need to get over it or, or anything like that? Or were they pretty supportive? Like, we need to, to get you, you know, we're here to help you get better. And, and even when you were making changes, they didn't, did they make you feel kind of like you were an outsider or why do you have to do that? We don't have to do that. You know, go do your own thing. Did you have any of that? No, no, thank, thankfully I didn't because um, it was my parents and my brother that were there for me, taking care of me after that major first hospitalization. And um, 
and they saw the amount of pain I was in and that my hair was falling out and just like I was pale and I was just like I just looked so terrible like and I had gained 30 pounds and so I was like puffy with like hair falling out and like this big belly like just from the steroids um and that I was like, oh, my God, this came back and I'm just going to be gluten free. And so I didn't hear a peep from them <laughs> about it because um, when they started seeing that I was improving from just that one simple thing, they they couldn't believe it. So, no, they never really said like, oh, um, but I had to be really um, I had to be really strong about it. I had to say, no, I don't, I'm not eating that pizza. I'm not eating that unless it's gluten free. I'm just, and then, oh, okay. All right. But they would forget. And I just had to remind them in the beginning. And now everybody knows and my whole entire family does. So um, it's not a big deal anymore. Yeah. I, I was lucky to have a really good support system because like you said, a lot of my coworkers saw, saw how bad I was. So my, I mean, my job was very good and they still are about, if I have to take off because, you know, I'm not feeling well or, but I remember one day when it was like really bad before I was diagnosed and just seeing the look on one of my coworkers face. And I, I knew I was like, this, is, I must look horrible because he just looked like he was about to just grab me and take me to the hospital, which they did. They had to end up driving me yeah. to the emergency room. But, um, and I told him, I said, you know, if it wasn't for you, the way I saw you, I was trying to just stick it out you know, like nothing's wrong. And I'm literally sitting there shaking, trying to drink a, a cup of water because my body was just shutting down. And uh, so, yeah, most of them were all of them. You know, some some of them, were, especially when I got at the hospital, were like, y'all good, Gwen, now you're all you're all better. It's like, no, you don't understand. This is a, a lifelong thing. This doesn't just, you know, they give me an antibiotic and then you're good for right. a few days. Right. This is a lifetime thing. So I didn't know, you know, I'm glad that you had a good support system. I've had some people reach out to me that they don't exactly have that or, um, you know, uh, their, their significant other doesn't understand. Why are you always so tired or why do you need to sleep all the time type thing? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that must be hard to not have that kind of support. But I'll, let me tell you that um, I would say that that whole journey of mine was Yes, I had the support and my brother was there and he took me to the hospital and my parents were taking care of me like 24 seven initially after I got home um, because of that whole psoas thing. Um, but after that, the whole kit and caboodle of the stool testing with the nutritional deficiency, getting the supplements, che checking my what my body likes and doesn't like when it comes to food, that was all me. I had zero support because I was alone on that journey. There was nobody helping me because there was no doctor that I, that I could turn to that because they, they didn't even know what I was, because they didn't know functional medicine or integrative medicine. Um, and I was, it was not my specialty back then either. I, I didn't know everything that there was to know about. My specialty back then was hormones and I was doing holistic medicine at the time, um, but it was not an autoimmunity. Now it is. But back then, and, and back then, glu being gluten-free was like just, just beginning. So it wasn't that easy to find gluten-free food. So that whole journey and, oh, I didn't have anyone guiding me on that. It, so it took me years to figure it out. And finally, when I figured it out, 
that's when I decided, you know what, let me share this with other people, wrote the book. And I'm like, I'm just going to tell everybody all the steps that I did that got me there. And for me, it was trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. I would take a new supplement and then I would draw my blood a month later. Okay. Did that help? I mean, I did, I was like my own investigator and it took that long to like figure out so many things, stool test after stool test after stool test, six months later, 12 months later, did that work? Did that work? So there was so much that went into that one simple book that I wrote that it was, there was years in the making for that thing. Years in the making. It's a trial and error process. I wish it wasn't, but you know, I wish it could be the doctor could tell you, okay, here, do number one, do number two, or I could tell you, do the do these three things and you'll be great. But that's just not right. the way it works. Because like you said, it's different for everybody. Um, but it's nice to hear other people, what other people have done, or they might talk about something that's like, I never thought about that. Maybe that's what I'm dealing with. You know, maybe their doctor never thought of it, or they didn't think to tell their doctor. Because I always say, tell your doctor everything. I have a little card I'll write everything on. And I just, and my doctor just takes it from me and starts reading it and going down because he knows that's what I do. Uh, you know, you go to the doctor and you, you, you forget stuff. It's like everything goes out your brain. Right, um, right, right. But if you've got it written down and they might notice a pattern because uh, like you said, when you were in a hospital, my doctor came in to me when I was uh, diagnosed. He said, have you had this and this and this? I said, I've had it all. And, but I didn't think to tell them that when I came into the emergency room well, partly because I was in so much pain, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't on my mind. Right. So that's why it's it's good to, like I said, any little thing, you'll log it, tell them, you know, and f to try and figure it out if that's something or if you hear somebody that has lupus talking about it. And uh, I think what's great is like you have a podcast and I was just listening to your one you did about the biologics and methotrexate. And I learned something that I was like, I was wondering about that, but I hadn't researched it. Uh, you know, or even th little things that I share how I got through when my joints were aching. Here's, here's, I call it my lupus survival kit. You know, I have certain shoes uh -huh. I'll wear if my ankles are swollen. They, they're not cute, but hey, they fit <laughs> and they don't right. make me be in pain. Right. But just things like that, sharing with each other what we're all going through and trying to support each other that way. Well, Margaret, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. I can't, I mean, the time feels like it went really quick, but I've, I've learned a lot from you and I'm, I'm very encouraged. So I hope the listeners are encouraged. And if they want to get in contact with you, you know, what's your website or our email or social media and how can they get your book or, and find your podcast? Thank you so much. I really enjoyed, I love talking about this so much. So thank you for making my night because this is really what I just, it's like my heart's and my life's mission. So um, let's see, I have a website. It's margaretromero.com. I'm also, I love being on Instagram and I really share so much there on lupus, like tips, not just on lupus, but on health and what to avoid, what to do. I'm also, I do Insta stories and I talk about the food that I'm eating so you guys can see exactly what I'm cooking, maybe give you some ideas. And so my Instagram is just margaretromero, um, instagram.com backslash margaretromero. And then my book, From Flair to Fabulous, 25 Things You Must Do to Avoid Your Next Lupus Flair is on Amazon. So you can find it there. You can also find it on my website, too. You can buy it off there. And let's see. What else? Um, Your podcast? And my, 
My podcast is called The Sacred Medicine Podcast. It's on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. Okay. Well, and I'll also put all the links to that in the show notes. So people, you know, they'll be able to remember to get that also to connect with you. Oh, I just want to mention one thing. If they want, I've also, I'm going to start something on the podcast, answering people's um, lupus questions. I've just started um, with these mini series, but I'm thinking I want to do this on a regular basis. So um, I'm going to soon have a link on my Instagram that's going to allow people to ask questions. So um, watch out for that. Okay. And I'll be watching for that too. Actually, I just started following you on Instagram today. I thought I was already, but I clicked the follow oh, link. So yeah. Okay, awesome. So thank, thank you again. You so much. Yeah, thank you again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. The information on the Lupus Living Podcast is for informational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before making any changes in your health and wellness routine.